Okay, let's start. Parsha Zos HaBracha, Tavshin Aleph. We don't always have a shear for Zos HaBrachas. This is very special. We're having the shear in the sukkah for Parsha Zos HaBracha, Tavshin Aleph. Uh, hopefully the last thought we'll say has to do with Inyanim of Simchas Torah. Uh, but for now, let's start with the Parsha that we don't always talk about. And we'll start with one of the fam- most famous psukim in the entire Torah, the Pasuk that actually the Gemara in Sukkah tells us. And the Ramam quotes this in Ilchas Tamatorah, that the first Pasuk that we're supposed to teach our children when they start to talk is Torah Tziva Lanu Moshe Morashaki Hilas Yaakov. That is the first Pasuk that we have to teach. And maybe it's not just the Pasuk, but it's the message of the Pasuk that we're supposed to um, impart to all children. Torah Tzivalana Moshe, as we have in the beginning of Zos HaBracha, in Perak Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Dalid, uh, as we get into the brachos that Moshe Rabbeinu gives to all of the Shvatim before uh, he passes on. So we'll start with that Pasuk in the name of the Ksav Sofer. Says the Ksav uh, Sofer, Nira Lee, what is Torah Tzivalana Moshe Morashaki Hilas Yaakov? And again, every thought that's said on this Pasuk uh, can be uh, what part of the message that we're supposed to impart to our, our children when we teach them this Pasuk. Nira Lee says the Ksav Sofer, Amr Chazal, Tariyag Mitzvahs, Nosan Lanu, Bigematria Torah. He quotes the Gemara at the end of Mesechus Makos. Tariyag Mitzvah, 613 mitzvos Hashem gave us. Torah is Gematria 611. And then those two we heard from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A thought that's said by many, but he puts it into this Pasuk. It's impossible for any one Jew to fulfill the whole Torah. Ki kama mitzvah she'ein bi Yisrael she'yeshnam b'kohen. Some mitzvahs are only by Yisrael and not by a kohen. Some are by a kohen and not by Yisrael. V'chein lehevich, v'chein belevi, u'bemelech. The king has certain mitzvahs. Asei having a Torah, lo sasei mitzvahs acherim and bezdin. Everybody has certain mitzvahs. Men, women. Ella, so how is it that Tariyag Mitzvahs, how did Yaakov Avinu say Tariyag Mitzvahs Shamarti? He couldn't do Tariyag Mitzvahs. And he was also in Choslaretz, he couldn't do all the Mitzvahs. But what exactly is meant? Ella, miskaimin ben kulam shekulam kiguf echad. When everybody does what they're supposed to do, he does what he's supposed to do, and she does what she's supposed to do, and I do what I'm supposed to do, and everybody does what they're supposed to do, so then together, biyachad, the Meshachachma writes the same thing in Parshas, Yisro and Mishpatim, biyachad, all of Klal Yisrael have kept Kala Torah Kula. Ayin Shlo Re Sifro. Vihinek Sibamatan Torah quotes the same Pasuk that we just alluded to. Vayanu Kalam Yachdov. Vayomer Kala Shadibra Hashem Nase. Hakavana Shaomru Shakulam Yachad Yekaimu Kala Shadibra Hashem. Sheef Shalakalakaimo. It's impossible. And there are many mitzvahs that don't apply Bizman Hazer. And there are mitzvahs that one doesn't fulfill uh, in certain situations. Pidyon Aben doesn't always uh, come up. It's pretty rare. Tosfa says we say a Shechiyonu by Pidyon Aben and not by Brismila because it's much rarer to have a Pidyon Aben event than to have a Brismila event. So there are many mitzvahs that are, are situational. And it's only because everybody does what they're supposed to do. That's why you needed the Achtos at, at the Maimed Arsinai. You needed the Vayichan because that's the only way to get the Torah. Because we can't get the Torah, we can't fulfill the Torah if without this message. Is the basis because one wouldn't be able to fulfill the Torah without the Ahatlarecha Kamocha. Shem Kulam Baguda Achas, as Efshal Kalecha Lakayma Torah, Kimaisa Kulam Yechashev Kiilu Kalechad Asa Kishahem Baguda Achas. The Oiv Zezekagufo. That's the message. So, where does this fit into our Pasik? So now he reads our Pasik. Torah Tziva Lanu Moshe. Moshe taught us Torah, which is the gematria of 611 plus the two we heard straight from Hashem, that's 613. That, this is the Pasuk that the Gemara in Makas Darshans. Morasha Hilanu Kihilas Yaakov. When we are a Kihila, when we are all together. Sherach Pekihila Nuchal Lekaima Kula. Only when we are together. And that's what Rashi also quotes on this Pasuk. Vahivi Shurin Melech Behisase for Hashem. Yachat Shifte Yisrael. Ki Melech Tzadik Ma'amir Adas Kedamar Bimei Chizkiv Ulu. That's only when it is uh, all together 
um, uh, one has that uh, that possibility. So that is the Ksav Sofer, Torah Tzivalana Moshe, Mo Rashkilas Yaakov. We could try to teach our children uh, the message of Achtus, the message of connecting with fellow Jews, and that's the only way that we will be able to properly fulfill the Torah, each person doing what they what they want. So maybe that's also part of Simchas Torah. Simchas Torah, when in normal years, you know, we get to dance together and we get to be connected through the circles. So then that's also celebrating the Torah and, and reminding ourselves that it's only through the, the connection with each other do we connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the middle. Remember the Gemara at the end of Masech is Tainus? I didn't give it to you, but it just, uh, the Gemara in Tainus that uh, discusses La'asilavo, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to make a machol with Sadikim, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be in the middle, and all the Sadikim are going to be pointing in the middle, Ze'ashem Kivinulo. So that's connected to what Simchas Torah is about. It's about recognizing that we're all in it together, and we all need each other in order to fulfill Taryag Mitzvahs, Taryag Mitzvah Shamarti. So that's the message of Torah Tziva, and we have to try to do what we can to remember that ourselves and spread that to, to those around us. Okay, moving right along. Parak. We have all the brachas, which we've spoken about in past years, not so often, but there's a lot to say in the second half. I'd like to focus a couple of thoughts on Moshe Rabbeinu. After all, Moshe Rabbeinu is the whole Torah is called after Moshe. Zichru Torah's Moshe Avdi, the Pasuk says in Malachi, at the end of, uh, of Navi. But really, this is one of the parshas where one could focus on Moshe Rabbeinu. Parshas Baloscha, Parshas Shmos, one thinks about top five parshias that one could focus on talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, Shmos, Baloscha, the end of Baloscha, and, uh, and Zos HaBracha. This is where Moshe Rabbeinu takes his leave. So we have towards the uh, end of the, of the uh, Aliyah, Perak Lamedalad, really at Shvi, the last Aliyah in the entire Torah. Vayal Moshe Me'arvo, right, right before that, right before Moshe Rabbeinu uh, goes up, what happens? Right before he goes up to uh, Har Nevo, Vayishkon, he, he continues with, with Asher's bracha. And at the end, he says, Ashrecha Yisrael. Right, the last passage, Pasach Haftes. Rashi notes that he joins all them together. Ashrecha Yisrael, praised are you, Yisrael. Rashi. La'acha shepirit lehem abrachos, amar lohem, mali lefro lachem, kalal davar hakol shalachem. He brought all of them together. Ashrecha Yisrael, mi chamocha. Who is like you? Am Nosha Bashem, a nation who takes its salvation from Hashem. Mogin Ezrecha, Vasher Cherev Gaavasecha. The defense is Ezrecha is is uh, is your your help. Vasher Cherev Gaavasecha, Vikachashu Avecha Lach, Vataabo Vasemosidroch. You will trample on the high places. So the pashas of the pasuk is that he's praising Am Yisrael, you're amazing, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu will uh, will help you uh, be in charge. And Rashi quotes the pesukim in the future that this is referring to. But if you look in the Mayana Shaltari, he quotes a drush, he quotes a drush based on this pasuk, based on this pasuk. Be'emes source number two, Ein Yishuasam Shal Yisrael Ba Elamikocha Shal Hashem Yisbarach. As we know, the ultimate Yeshua. Of, Bar- of Am Yisrael only comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Shehu Maginam Ve'ezram, he is their shield, he is their help. Velo Ha'idei Kochos Tiviyim, right? Everything of Am Yisrael throughout the ages, all the armies of Am Yisrael, it's all based on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not based on natural forces. Ulam, Asher Cherev Ga'avasecha, Zeh, that's what Am Nosha Bashem. Read the Pasik. Who is like you? Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to us. Am Nosha Bashem is a nation that takes salvation in Hashem. That's the truth. The root is that Akadosh Baruch Hu is our secret weapon. But Asher Cherev Ga'avasecha. But we have to sometimes or always clothe it in natural uh, covers in order for our enemies to think that we're using natural forces. And we're fighting with an army. And we have to do our hishtablus. But that makes the enemy think and come to battle. Because if the enemy really knew, Am Nosha Bashem, they wouldn't step on the battlefield. Right? It wouldn't even be, be open for, for, for that. Zesha Yisrael Nelatsim Lefamim, Lishtamish Becherev, Velinkom Beemsayim Tiviyim, Harizek Kedei, Vikach Shuai Vechalach. So your enemies come and, and, um, 
you know, fight you in that way. They won't believe in this supernatural power that we have. They'll think that we rely on the sword. That's only on the outside. With this strategy, that's why we'll be able to trample and be victorious. We have to know, though, the first the first phrase in the Pasuk, Whenever a Jew fights for themselves, Am Nosha Bashem. That's the root. On the outside, it looks like Magen Ezrecha, Vasherev Gaavasecha. The Kachshoyvecha, they'll be tricked, and that's why we'll be able to be victorious. Hey, is your Izul at Seis Negdechol Melchama, Umemela, Tuchalanatzcham, Belidrochabamoseim? That's the way. Shekanol Malei Hayoamim Yodim Esa Emes. If they would know the truth, Yisrael Am Nosha Bashem, Lo Hayem Meizim La Olam. They would never fight us. They would never fight us, right? It comes from the power of, of a Malik who covered up all of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Ashkach in the world. But that's how we read the Pasuk. The truth is, Am Nosha Bashem. It's an Am that's Nosha Bashem. We have to know that. That's why we have the Pesukim back in Parsha Shoftim, if you remember, <laughs> that taught us that we can't be scared and we, there's an Isser Daraisa to leave the battlefield because we have to remember ourselves, Am Nosha Bashem. They could think, and the newspapers could think that, but we know for sure what exactly is the is the message uh, of our battles throughout throughout history. Okay, so now we get to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now we get to the last twelve psukim in the Torah. Last twelve psukim in the Torah. Moshe goes up to Har Rosh Hapiska Asher Alpana Yerecho by Yerecho Hashem as Kala Aretz as Hagilad Adan and Hashem shows him everything as Kol Naftali at Eretz Ephraim and Menashe as Hanegev by Yomar Hashem Elav Zos Haaretz Asher Nishbati LaAvram Lisak LaYakov. This is the Aretz. This is it, Moshe. This is what I told the Avos Lazaracha Etnena Heri Sicha Beinecha Vishamalo Savar. But up until his dying day, Moshe Rabbeinu maybe had a glimmer of hope. Maybe he didn't want to accept the the the, the truth, the reality. But Hashem had to say, it's, it's not meant to be. Heri sicha be'inecha v'shamalo savar. You could see it, but you can't go in. Shamalo savar. V'yom Hashem, and now the last eight psukim. V'yom Hashem, Moshe Eved Hashem. Moshe, the Eved Hashem. He, not too many others, achieved that appellation. Ba'eretz Moab al pi Hashem. He dies. Vayikbar Oso. Who's Vayikbar? Hakadosh Baruch Hu himself. Ba'eretz Moab Mulbeis Paar. V'lo yadish as kfura so adayamazeh. Nobody knew his kfura until today, 120 years old. Vechulu. So we know there is a machlokas tanoim about who wrote the last eight psukim of the Torah. We know the Gemara Baba Basra. And Meseches Menachas quotes the Machlokas Tanoim. Different names are given in the, in the various Gemaras. But it's fascinating that amongst the Rishonim, there is a Machlokas Rishonim. What is the Pshut Shomikra? If we would ask, who wrote the last eight of the Torah? So Tanoim. A group of Tanoim say Moshe Rabbeinu. A group of Tanoim say Yeshua Benun. So what's the Pashtus? Usually a Machlokas has Pashtus and who's the more Mechudashita? So here the Eben Ezra and Rabbeinu Bachai argue, what's the Pashtus? Says the Eben Ezra. Rabbeinu Bachai quotes the Eben Ezra. Hachacham Rabbi Avraham Zal, lefi daiti. Kimizeh pasik ve'ele kasav Yehoshua. Yehoshua Benun had to write these psukim. That's the Pshut Shomikra. Mikra. Ki acher shaholach Moshe lo yarad. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu went up the mountain and he died and Bnei Yisrael cried, and Yeshua ben Nun had Ruach Chachma. Well, <laughs> Moshe, if he died, he didn't, he didn't see that. And the last three psukim of the Torah that talk about the praise of Moshe Rabbeinu, says the Eben Ezra, it doesn't make sense to me to say that Moshe wrote these last psukim, so it must be Yeshua wrote the psukim. The Gemara adds in an extra point of Moshe couldn't lie. It says, and he died. He didn't die. It doesn't say he will. The rest of the times in the Torah, it says what will happen. Here it says what happened already, but he wrote it beforehand. That's not true. But the Eben Ezra doesn't focus on that. Ubederach nevuah. Achrei shalach Moshe lo yarad. Ubederach nevuah kasav oso. And bederach nevuah. How did Yeshua ben Nun know what happened on the mountain? Bederach nevuah. He was told. 
Right? Right? Even in the beginning, when Moshe Rabbeinu was shown the land. Right? It's Moshe in third person. Hashem showed him. It's not Moshe as being spoken to. Hashem showed him. So even from Pasuk Aleph, says the Eben Ezra, Yoshua Benun wrote, Vayomer Hashem Eilo, Vayikbar Oso Adkan. Says the Eben Ezra, Yoshua Benun wrote it. V'chutzrach lafarish kein lafisha kasha be'enav, sheyichtov Moshe misasa ukvuraso. That is the Eben Ezra, pshutel shal mikra, it must be that Yoshua Benun wrote these psukim. It's an unbelievable machlokas. Unbelievable. Whichever shita you say, as we'll see, needs to be elaborated on. Says the Rabbeinu Bachai ve'eno emes. I don't think it's emes. So I don't think it's emes. There's a day of the Tanoim like that. Rabbeinu Bachai must think, no, I like the other opinion. I agree with the other opinion. This isn't just a machlokas about a detail. Machlokas wrote the last eight or twelve psukim in the Torah. Ve'en pirusho nachon. Says Rabbeinu Bachai, I don't think it's true. No. The Pshuto Shomikra is that Moshe wrote the whole Torah. This is about believing. This isn't just about, you know, uh, what we figure out and, and how do we interpret the halacha. This is about a deep truth. Moshe wrote every single letter, word in the Torah. He was like copying. It was being verbally told to him. But it was like Moshe was copying. That's what Rabbi Meir says. Hashem says, take the Sefer Torah. How could he have a Sefer Torah without the last few psukim? Hashem wouldn't have said, take the Sefer Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote... Um, a number of Sifrei Torah before he died. El HaKadosh Baruch Omer Moshe Kosi Bedema. Right, Moshe wrote a Bedema. Right, that's a separate shear. what exactly that means. He wrote it when he was crying. The Pashtos, Rashi says, may rove sorrow. I think Rashi there in Menachah, Staflamid. From pain. What does that mean, from pain? He didn't want to die. He was scared of dying. Kasha. Venera Lee. And says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, Ay, what about the Ebenezer's claims? How could he write it? It was false. The Tanoim's claims... Don't be metame. Don't wonder. Don't wonder how he can wrote and he died. He's writing what will be. And he could write that. And you find that sometimes when you write the future in the tense of the past as if it already happened. Hashem gets angry, it says, and he got angry. That doesn't bother the Rabbeinu Bachai that it's written in the past as if it didn't happen. Again, some of the Tanam felt that that was a problem because it doesn't say that too often. Uh, in the Torah, right? They'll have to answer what does it mean in the Pasuk from Hazinu that, that he quoted. But either way, this is a fascinating machlokas tanoim, but it's a machlokas rishonim. What exactly is the pshuto shalmikra and which is the mechudashita uh, in, this, in, this, uh, in this regard? Let's get back a little bit to the bedema line. A bedema line, right? Moshe wrote the Torah bedema, crying. Let's talk a little bit about tears, says the Agyona Shel Torah, Benzion Führer. Misha Choshev, he quotes the Gemara. I guess let's just read the Gemara because we didn't quote it before. Tanya, Vayam Hashem Moshe Ebed Hashem, Efshar Moshe Chai, in source number four. <coughs> Is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu was living and he wrote Vayam Hashem Moshe? Ela Adkan Kasem, excuse me. Adkan Kasem Moshe, Mikan Ve'ela Kasav Yehoshua. That's the first opinion. Moshe, Yoshua Ben-Nun wrote the rest. Moshe was crying. Says that Yonah Shol Torah. Mi shechoshev shem Yoshua kasav 
Shmone psukim achronim batora. Lo nechtu ela bedema eno ela toa. If you think that if Yoshua Benun wrote it, he wasn't crying, that's wrong. But Moshe only wrote it bedema. Yeshua wrote it bedema too. However, Yoshua wrote it, according to that opinion, he also wrote it bedema. Gamis Yoshua kasav, gamim Yoshua kasav osam, heim nechtavu bedema. Ki eich yachol Yoshua lechtov esakasav. What did the Pasuk say in a few psukim from now? The Yoshua binun, right all the way at the end, malay ruach chachma. Ki samach woshiz yadolav. Yoshua binun got all the chachma. What, he wasn't crying when he had to write that? Like Moshe Rabbeinu's vayikra. Yoshua binun wasn't crying. Belid ma'ot. Yoshua shaya anav ad shagam Moshe haya anav ma'od mikal adam shapani adama. Right? Yoshua was an anav. Moshe was an anav. It was painful for him to write that. And obviously, to write what happened to his great Rebbe. Adarabba turning over. Dimosav shal Yoshua hayu merubos mi dimosav shal Moshe. The tears of Yoshua were even greater, in a sense. Ki Moshe hizodmoz rak avayama shal Moshe. Only on his death. Biim kasav pasik zeh. Vila Yoshua hizodmoz gam avayama shal Moshe. On that pasik, he lost his great Rebbe. The whole, the whole section he would cry about. And therefore, according to all opinions, we end the Torah in tears. They ended the Torah in tears. And you know what? Explains Rebetian Führer. That's a positive. They, maybe when they wrote it, there was sadness, there was there was pain, but in general, the concept of tears, as he's going to explain, is a positive, and it's a gift. It's a gift that we're able to cry. Someone who doesn't have the ability to cry is lacking a certain release of emotion that is pent up inside and is unable to get out. Be'emes amru, yafos dema'os, l'gomer shal Torah. Ki l'gomer shal Torah osim mishteh v'simcha. Tears are good on simcha's Torah. To think about bedema, because you know what? Simcha's Torah is a big party. B'makam she'i simcha yafet dema'os. And whenever there's a big party, it's good to have balance. It's good to make sure it's pure. Ki kasuv ivdu as Hashem b'yira v'gilu b'rada. As we know, throughout Tehillim, and just the, those two words capture it. The Gemara Brachas, Daflamid, I think, talks about these two words. Vigilu bir'ada. Right, there he quotes it. Sorry, but welcome. Gila sham ra'ada. In the place of Gila, that's where there is trembling. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Halacha want us to be able to have the balance of the emotions. Of course, the Gemara in Shabbos, Sheish Dema'os Ein, there are six types of tears. Shalosh Yafos, Vishalosh Ra'os. What are the Yafos? When somebody is having much levity, tears, cleanse. Beautiful Lashon. At a wedding, when the parents of the Chassan and Kala are crying under the Chuppah, those are cleansing tears. Those are tears that are cleansing the Simcha. The depths, the intensity of the simcha comes out through the tears. But also the tears that hopefully one sheds when they sing at the wedding. Those are also cleansing tears because it balances the schok. Like the Gemara says also in Masechah's Brachas, the minute of breaking the glass. And you think about it, says the Hagyon HaShel Torah, put it into human beings, the ability to have the opposite too. Not just our demos yafos l'schok, but schok is yafil demos. Sometimes, Rachman al-Islan at a levaya, somebody could come over and share a smile, and share a lighter thought. And that smile could also balance. Haschok meifigis atzar v'keev she'eviu lo'olam es ademos. Haschok mamtik b'midi misuyemes, it sweetens the, the bitterness of the tears. So we need this balance at extreme uh, events, emotional events, the schok and the demos. And Simchas Torah represents on a national level the idea of schok, of Gomer Shal Torah. And we have both 
great personalities, Moshe and Yoshua, who cry in the story that remind us what it's all about and how to behave and act and how to appreciate the events that we go through. Okay, let's get back to the beginning psukim, though, of the of the parak. Beginning of the parak tells us again that Moshe goes up to Arvos Moav, Rosh HaPeska, Pnei Yerecho, Vayir Hashem, Eskalar, Hashem shows him the whole land, Gila, Don, Naftali, Ephraim, Menashe, Vichulu. First question. Meshachachma does not ask this question, but I'll ask it. And maybe this is something that we've felt not only reading these psukim, but maybe reading other psukim as well, and other times in the Torah. And that is, isn't this like a tease? It's like, oh, you know, let, just make it, let him, <laughs> let him die. You have to show him, to show him the whole land, and then, okay, but you can't go there. What was the purpose of seeing all of these? And, and why are specifics given? Gilad, Don, Naftali, Menafrai, Menashe, Eretz Yehuda, Yama Acharon, Negev, Kikar, Right? What, what are all these borders? Why doesn't it just say Hashem showed Moshe Eretz Yisrael? Why does it have to say that Hashem showed Moshe all of these specific borders? So why is why at all does it have to be shown? Isn't it hurtful to Moshe Rabbeinu? And number two, why are all these borders mentioned? The Meshachachma is going to ask a third question. But he's going to answer all three. Hine, top left. By the way, Meshachachma has many pages on Zosar Bracha. They're all amazing. We don't always have Shirman on Zosar Bracha, but if you have time over the next couple of days, feel free to open up a Meshachachma on Parshas Zosar Bracha. Another number of amazing, of amazing thoughts. The fact that Hashem showed Moshe. Why did he have to show him? This is the beginning, not uh, the, the main point that he's going to say. Because he already said in Bamidbar, all of those that made me angry will not see Eretz Yisrael. So obviously, he has to show Moshe Rabbeinu Eretz Yisrael. If he says, because somebody should think that Moshe is one of the Menatzim. The fact that anybody would even think that is is obviously is uh, is amazing, but that's why lachin It's fine. That's how he had to show it. But now, If you think about all the miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu performed, they were all in public. Most of them in front of millions of people, but there are some that are in view of a number of people. But they were all public. Le'ene rivavos alfei Yisrael, ha'ananim, the clouds, kriyas yamsuf, mon, mayim mitzur, they were all, v'lachein amar, that's why at the end of the Torah, the last Pasuk, u'lachol amor ha'gadol asher asa Moshe le'ene kal Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu did everything, his life was le'ene kal Yisrael. Ki lo haya bazeh kishar ha'neviyim, asher mofseyim ma'at, asher haya b'farhesya, many of the miracles that other neviyim did were done in private. Right, not Dafkin public. You read Sefer Malachim. Many of the miracles. Alicia did a number of miracles. Many. Alicia did the most miracles out of anybody in Tanakh. But but you read the other Nevi'im. They weren't all in public. Lokein Moshe. Asher al yado nitzna Torah haya begalui mod. Maybe it had to be Moshe was the most revealed. Laman lo yuchal adam lahachisham ba'atid. So nobody could argue. Moshe would have gave the Torah. Everything of his had to be public. Right? Even his family life. Had to be public. Somebody can explain it later. Can't be. If it's all in public. If you argue on what everybody knows, then everybody will know that you're false. Right? Things that are famous, you can't argue on. I am Perak Bamalikin, fine. With that background, therefore, the question is, this nace was done in private. Who saw this? Moshe Rabbeinu was shown the entire land. Nobody else had this vision. Only Moshe Rabbeinu was given this vision of Eretz Yisrael. Gila, Don, Naftali, all the borders. So what was the purpose of this? So again, why are all these specific borders given? And what's the purpose of all of these? What's the purpose of of this miracle 
when in fact all the other miracles of Moshe Rabbeinu were in public. It explains the Meshachachla fascinating. This was a public miracle as well. It just wasn't public yet. And it was the only way that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to be able to continue performing public miracles after he dies. Ulam Nizbonein. Madua Kasvatora Don Naftali Eres Yehuda. Why did it, did it have to give details? Just say he saw all the land. Why list all the details? Says the Meshachachma, it's possible. Again, this is not, the what he's about to say is not a Chazal. But he's suggesting. We know in the days of Yeshua ben Nun, there was a lottery. Using the Urim Betumim, miraculous lottery that, right, the, uh, what was picked out of the pot, uh, a name of a shevet and a uh, portion of land. V'haya kasuv mimoshe sefer kolel kol ha'aris l'gvulaseha k'fi mashah ha'eri Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu, this is his suggestion, wrote down everything that he had been see- he had seen. Maybe he gave it to Yeshua, but he recorded it already. What he was shown. He was told where each shavit was in the exact borders. That's why he goes through the borders. To be able to prove later on when the Urim Vitumim and the miracle took place and announced what the borders were, now they look back in the book and they see what was written and they realize Moshe Rabbeinu was shown all the borders then. And it became a foursome. And they saw Moshe Rabbeinu was godless even after he dies. Then they saw It was an open miracle. But it just wasn't open. It wasn't open yet. It became famous later on after after Moshe Rabbeinu uh, died. And then he quotes, maybe that's even a Pasuk in uh, the part of the Pasuk in Yeshua. But that is why the um, this miracle took place because Moshe Rabbeinu, his greatness lives on even after he dies. We recognize his godless. It was an open miracle. And that's why he was showed it in order to be able to make him even greater in the eyes of Am Yisrael after, after his passing. Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. So now let's talk about Moshe Rabbeinu's burial. Moshe Rabbeinu's burial, he dies. Be'eretz Moav al-Pi Hashem. Vayikbar oso bagai be'eretz Moav mul beis pa'or. V'lo yadeh yamazeh. So if we think about this Pasuk, and Rashi already notes it, you know, often we don't have time to properly be Maver Sedra for Zos Abracha. Right? Because it's the last one, you got to finish, you got to start Bresha soon. But um, what does Rashi say here? Moshe Rabbeinu is buried... Mul Beis Pa'or. Beis Pa'or is one of the worst events in the history of the Jewish people. That's where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried. That's what reminds us, reminds us of, of um, his burial. What's Mul Beis Pa'or? Says Rashi. Kivro Hayamuchan Sham. Mishay says Yibay Bracious. His kever, the makam of his kever, was prepared already from the six days of creation. Lechaper al Maisa Pa'or. Moshe Rabbeinu was destined to be buried in this spot thousands of years, thousands of years before um, the event and the sin happened. Look in that mission in Perkiavos, Rashi says. This is one of those. Um, one of those um, items that were created before the world was created, uh, Erev Shabbos Ben Ashmashus. Says the Nitziv in the Hemek Davar, Mul Beis Pa'ar, expanding on Rashi, Hutam Shenikver Davkar Ba'osomako. This is the reason. What's Mul, opposite, Kadei Lahashpil Koach Beis Pa'ar. The Medrash tells us, unquote the Medrash, it was in the footnote, that every so often the Baal Pa'or, Kitrug, the prosecuting power, gets up to be able to prosecute against Am Yisrael, and they see Moshe Rabbeinu. They go back down. There's no prosecution allowed here. Again, you have to think about, not for now, exactly Moshe and Baal Pa'or, what exactly is the connection and the opposite of those two specifically, but Moshe Rabbeinu, even in his burial, is out to protect 
Ham Yisrael, the nation that he loved so much. But now the Nitziv gets into the next Pasik. So the next part of the Pasik, I'm sorry. So what does it say? Moshe Rabbeinu was buried. And his burial was not known. Says the Nitziv. Every tzaddik wants to be buried in a special place. They wish their dream. Right, the Gemara says, you should always dream and hope and daven for a proper burial. But what does a tzaddik want? Three things, says the Nitziv. There are three things in a burial plot, in a burial space, that a tzaddik would desire. Number one, it should be his. It should be nicknamed as a Gemara Baabasra. That a person should be buried in their own spot, on their own place. Number two, there should be something special about the place. Kamo Eretz Yisrael, like to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. O Makam Torah, the Chadomes Segula Ruchanit. There's something spiritual about that spot. So number one, it should be mine. Number two, it should be a special spot. Number three, Lanuach Eitzel Avos, O Eitzel Misha Shimshu Bechayev, to be buried with their forefathers or their rabbeim or people who they served in their lifetime. One of three, one of three reasons. Moshe didn't get any of these. Lachora what he desired. And this passage is explaining why. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu not, wasn't he zochet to any of these? Number one, Vayikbar Oso, because who buried him? HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachol, Oh, who cover as Atzmo, either way, V'yemkein ha'ye b'derech neis ufele, U'muvan mizeh shezu ha'isa b'riya mishesh izim e'breishos, l'makom k'furas Moshe. Right, Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in Moab. That's not his place. Oh, yes, it is. Because Hashem buried him. Or he buried himself. What does that mean? His Makom Kfura was already designated from Meshachim This wasn't Moab. This was Moshe Rabbeinu's spot before any human being came onto the earth. Right? Ready at, uh, actually, after Adam. But uh, at the, at the um, dawn of, of civilization, Moshe Rabbeinu already had this spot designated for himself. So it was his spot, number one. Number two, what was the second issue? You want a special spot? Mul base par. Zacha baze amakom, ledover gadol, lezakos es harabim, lahavlu mitumas ha-pa'or. Forevermore, Moshe Rabbeinu is being mezake the rabim and defending Klal Yisrael against the kitrig of pa'or. Forevermore, Moshe in death still protects them. Ve'ein lecha makom yafem izesh, eschus rabim tuliyabo. There's no greater eschus than the rabim uh, needing you. And number three, velo yada ish eskfuraso. What does that mean? Does he want to be buried next to his avos, next to his rebbeim? Moshe, you're in a separate league. Moshe, there's nobody connected to you. Even your father, who was one of the four people who never sinned. Moshe, you're still in a separate league. He was separate. Just like in life, he was separate. In death, he was separate. And therefore, this Pasuk tells us why Moshe Rabbeinu was buried where he was buried for an ultimate purpose that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had in mind. Had in mind. The Nitziv then, on that, on that, um, what we just read, the Nitziv says that Baal Pa'or was used, Baal Pa'or was Zocheh, so to speak, to be in the same Pasuk of Kfiras Moshe, kind of backhandedly. Because it was the prosecutor and Moshe Rabbeinu was going to overcome that that Kitruk. Right, that's the Nitziv. If you look now in the uh, the next source, on the next page, you have there a Shiloh from the Acha Sha'alti. Rav Zilberstein has many, many Sfarim out, one of the most prolific writers we have today, the Chashuke Chemed on Gemara, and he has a number of sets on, on Chumash. Um, he has, uh, right, they translated into uh, Vaharevnas, the what ifs, right, very, very popular. But those Vaharevnas were shortened into story like forms to say over at the Shabbos table. Now there are three volumes, Acha Sha'alti. I strongly suggest we, learn, we learned it at our Shabbos table, right, one or two stories every, uh, every week. And this is the one that we did this, uh, it's at, on Parsha Zosabracha, but it has to do with this Nitziv, that Baal Pa'or, 
Baal Pa'or was, was, um, happened to be in the Pasik by Moshe Rabbeinu's Kvura, and Moshe Rabbeinu was Mizake the Rabbim, even in death. And that's why he was buried next to Pa'ar. So speaking about being Mizaka the Rabbim. So this is a story. We're not going to read the whole story to save time. And I wanted to get to the last uh, thought. Uh, but the story is that there was a, a young man, a young Avreich, who, went, who, was, who was involved in Kirov. And during one of the uh, wars, one of the um, times that the uh, Arabs were shooting missiles at the close to Gaza border, specifically Ashkelon. So he went, he was there, he went to do Kirov, and all of a sudden there was an, there was an azakah, there was an alarm while he was driving. So everybody was running to the miklats, and he quickly pulled over to the side, but as he's pulling over to the side, there was a dog that, that ran into the middle of the street. Maybe the dog was scared or whatever it is um, because of the azakah. He hit the dog. Meanwhile, he runs into the uh, shelter, and when he comes out, he sees that he had killed the dog. He had killed the dog, and the owners are there looking, looking at the dog, and uh, he goes, and he says um, they were all in uh, shock. And he says um, he, was, he was looking for the he, they were looking for who's the driver. And he said to them, he says, "Believe me, I didn't do anything wrong. The dog ran in, and he went crazy in front of my car. But you know what? I feel very bad for you. I'll pay for the dog. I'll do whatever you want. I just, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry that you had such agmas nefesh. And these people who were far from Torah and mitzvos were in such shock that this man would would have that attitude." Uh, towards them that this started a relationship and he came back often and he started teaching them Torah and they started becoming closer uh, Torah and mitzvos and what happens after a while they wanted to set up a, a series of shiurim in their basement and they went to him and they said we want to start we'll invite guests he's like wonderful amazing and they said we want to give it a name because you know we want to uh, to publicize it he's like sure what do you want to call it Base Rex Rex was the name of their dog and they wanted to name it the dog was What's, you know, because of the dog, that's why they were able to start becoming Shomri Torah Mitzvos. They want to give the dog some schus. They want to name it Base Rex. So he didn't answer right away. He's like, uh, let me go ask Riz Zilberstein. So that was the question that one could ask at the Shabbos table. You know, what exactly, uh, is there anything wrong with naming a Base Medrash after a dog? So he quotes, well, where would you look? Where would you quote here? So he quotes the Medrash. Medrash, another uh, story that you might have heard. There was a story, rather, there's a story that there was a Tana named Rabbi Yochanan ben Torta. Who was Rabbi Yochanan ben Torta? Rabbi Yochanan ben Torta, Torta means a cow. Was Rabbi Yochanan ben Torta? There was a man, there was a chassid echad, the Medrash tells us, that had a cow who used to plow for him and he sold the cow to a non-Jew. And the non-Jew comes to him after a week or two and says, there's something wrong with your cow, Mechaktos, I want my money back. Why? Every seventh day it doesn't work. Like, what do you mean? Every seventh day on Shabbat, Shabbat doesn't work. He's like, oi. He goes over to the cow and whispers in his ear. He says, you're owned by the guy now. It's okay. You're allowed to work on Shabbos. When you're owned by a Jew, you couldn't work. But now you can work. And the cow started working. The guy was so in shock and inspired by, by even this cow kept Shabbos that he converted eventually. Then the, guy, the, the cow couldn't work on Shabbos anymore. But either way, he converted. But that's why he was called Rabbi Yochanan ben Torta with the cow. The cow gets mentioned. So you see from there that any uh, item, whether it's an animal, whether it's a domain, whatever it is, it's okay. You see on the bottom. It's all here. I'm sorry, I read it quickly. No problem. And he says, he asked Silverstein, asked Steinman at the time, and he says, who cares what they name it? They're learning Torah. Let them call it whatever they want. The more Torah learn, the better, and therefore there wouldn't be a problem. Okay. Let's finish up the shear with a, um, a drasha that Rabbi Lamb gave. Zechron Levracha, Rabbi Norman Lamb. He gave this drasha October 18th, 1973. It was a drasha right after the beginning of the Yom Kippur War, 1973. A drasha right after the Yom Kippur War started during the Yom Kippur War. And it was titled, as I gave you the whole drasha, How Could We Be Happy on this Simchas Torah? And obviously, Lahavdil, but when I saw this, it caught my eye because there are those out there that think about, you know, Simchas Torah in the times of Corona is also not a, a Simchas Torah that we are looking forward to, not a Simchas Torah that we're used to. Um, and how, what kind of Simcha? What are we supposed to feel at least? Uh, Lahavdil, again, this drusha was given when there was a war going on. So this is not a war of that type of enemy, but it's still a, a war against uh, an invisible enemy. 
And how are we supposed to react? So he says, he goes through how, you know, he obviously has mixed emotions too, trying to deal with it. But he says on the, on the next page, he says we have to understand what simcha is. He says there are four elements of simcha that one could have in a strong way, even in years of difficulty of Simcha's Torah. See on, on uh, page number six now. We can, I believe, discern at least four specific strands in this complex emotion called Simcha. First, number one, Simcha is a sign of faith. Simcha is a reflection that we have, that we recognize Hashem's in charge. It is an expression of our commitment to the existence of God as the source of all. All simcha in halacha is always a reflection of lifnei Hashem. The very knowledge that you stand in the presence of the Lord, that itself is the greatest source of joy. And that's point number one. We have to recognize that Hashem is always close to us and that should give us simcha. That should give us simcha. Number one. He quotes this from uh, Rav Hirsch as well, based on a pasuk in, uh, in Tehillim. A Jew always has to feel that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge and with him and close to him and we have a special connection. We get to talk to him whenever we want, three times a day, and not only three times a day, as the Ramam writes at the beginning of Hilchas Brachos, all Brachos are for us to talk to Hashem, always. Number one, we have to do what we can to feel Simcha by recognizing Hashem is always close to us. Number two, bottom left. The second strand in Simcha is Bitachon. Hashem's in charge and he has a plan. And he is in charge of what's going to be. Confidence in the Almighty that he will help us. Right? And he quotes uh, stories at the time. Um, the What's well, a story? A nurse returned to the United States directly from serving with the Israeli army at the Suez Front. What she reported was most revealing. She served with a group of young Sephardi soldiers, most of whom were secularists or non-religious. She described how they gathered on the eve of sukkah to daven Mairu without lights, but under the full moon. Afterwards, they returned tired to a sukkah, and there they ate a festive meal. She described the utter devotion of the soldiers, who prayed fervently and ate in the sukkah, performing the mitzvahs. Then they left the sukkah, and the sukkah traveled away on the back of a truck. She was asked, what did you find most unnerving, most upsetting? Her answer speaks volumes. When I returned to New York and saw the long-drawn, sad faces of the Jews of the United States. Bitachon. Knowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's in charge. And knowing He's going to help. They know that although the situation today is not as good as 1967, it's better than 1948. And it's a million times better than 1940, 41, 42, 43, or 44. We have bitachon that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge and is going to help the situation. Number two. Number three. So number one, feeling close to Hashem. Number two, having bitachon in Hashem should give us simcha. Should give us, and if we have the simcha, it would cause it. Number three, recognizing that life is always full of ups and downs. And a Jew wouldn't be able to survive for the past 2,000 years without recognizing that there are going to be some ups, but there's also going to be plenty of downs. The third component of Simcha for the Jew issues from a recognition of the complexities, ambivalences, and ambiguities of life. The Jew knows that there is no sorrow without consolation, no joy without sadness. The Jew's Simcha is one that has been tested in the crucible of life. It is not a blind fiction that's created as a means of psychological self-defense. Right? This, is, this is Rabbi Lamb saying that life is all about balance. On the bottom right, when misfortune strikes, when life seems to crowd you in, when you're caught in narrow straits, do not give up, do not yield to despair. Do not imagine that help will never come. And that's why we, this gets back to what we spoke before about Demos and Schok. That's why we break a glass at a wedding. That's why we don't say Tachnon and Tishabav, because everything is balanced and we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge of the ups and the downs. And if there are downs, there will also be ups. And we recognize that we serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all the different experiences and all the different emotional states that we find ourselves. And finally, the fourth idea, which applied then and applies now as well, Simcha is itself a weapon with which to forge good news and battle evil. Simcha is something that we need to have in order to cause and to bring the Yeshua. Right, Not to give up, but through the hope and through the optimism and through the Rabbi Akiva-like attitudes that we could have, 
even if everything is tell, telling us to give up and to be anxious. With a Jew, simcha trumps sinna. Happiness overcomes hatred. Joy is the Jew's secret and most effective line of defense. Simcha helps us. All right, what does it say in To have a smile because a smile on the outside affects the inside. Bottom left. Of course, it's not easy to engage in simcha when your heart is sitting shiva. But Torah wasn't made for convenience, for emotional luxury. That's an amazing line he has. Torah was not made for convenience, for emotional luxury. We don't only do mitzvot and serve Hashem when we feel good about it and we feel like it, and we're in the zone of doing mitzvot. That's not what, it's not about emotional luxury. Torah demands of us not only a discipline of action and appetite, but an iron discipline of emotion as well. It commands us to laugh even when we want to cry, to dance when we want to faint, to sing when we want ashes and sackcloth. Right? It forces us right, to be with people. When somebody is in Avelis, there's Nichum Avelim. They're not alone because the natural um, feeling and emotion is just to be by myself. No, Judaism doesn't allow that. After a wedding, Sheva Brachas. And if we say then, he says, we shall be happy because our happiness issue is not from childhood and naive simplicity, but from a recognition that life is complicated and complex and paradoxical. So, it's bitachon, that Hashem is close to us, that Hashem is going to help us. Number three, that we recognize ups and downs. And number four, because it's a weapon that we have in order to get through all of the trials and tribulations that we have. Again, this is a different type of tzara that we're going through because it's not just a Jewish tzara. The entire world is going through it. But we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge and everything is leading up to the ultimate ge'ula. Everything in life is one step in the direction of Bias Mashiach. And we daven and we sing, and if we have to sing to ourselves and dance just with our families in our living room, this Simchas Torah, so be it. But we have to just make sure that we try as much as we can to have the Simchas Torah. We'll have the Torah, but we have to do what we can to have the Simchas Torah. And Be'er Hashem, in future years, let it be that it should be much easier it should be straightforward. It should be open and clear. The great simcha that we will all have, Hashem, dancing around the Torahs in Yerushalayim, the Mayor of Yemen.